Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today's episode is brought to you by VirtualTravelEvents.com, the leading digital event platform for travel advisors and travel industry suppliers. The process of attending physical trade shows can be expensive and time-consuming for travel advisors, which is why a majority of advisors barely attend any trade shows during the year. Virtual Travel Events hosts yearly events on weddings, honeymoons, luxury travel, group travel, and so much more. It puts advisors and suppliers together with live presentations, interviews with top industry executives and travel professional peers, live chats, and the opportunity to win prizes for attending and participating. Head over to virtualtravelevents.com to learn more. What's up, everyone? Today is Tuesday, July 25th. Happy Travel Tuesday and happy Shark Week. That's right. Anyone listening super obsessed with sharks like my wife is? (laughs) I am not super obsessed, but... Shark Week programming on the Discovery Channel is uh it's on this week and it's on in the Bowman household this week too. Uh, happy spouse, happy house, right? So we'll be watching from our comfy couch though, unlike some of the crazies out there who dive in with the sharks and want to swim with them, want to touch them. Not for me. Good for you though. You do you, right? I'd love to know where you stand on sharks and diving in or just watching from your house because the content is wild. There's some big sharks out there. And as a constant reminder of um, why I don't want to dive too deep into the ocean. Let's just let's just leave it alone, right? Anyway, podcast at travelpulse.com. Let me know your thoughts on that. And if you could leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate it. You can also call in our hotline for the show. 201-381-3017 is the Travel Pulse podcast number. Leave a message if you want. So joining me on the show later today is Mike Coletta, Manager of Research and Innovation at Focusrite. Mike and I will discuss the latest innovations in travel and tourism. Great stuff there coming up later on the episode. But first, as we do for every show, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast, let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. We begin with air travel and the hot weather impacting the world right now and a lot of the travel scene too. Extreme heat forced U.S. airlines to reduce fuel loads and passenger numbers. Allegiant Air announced that it would delay flights if climate conditions pose a threat to passenger safety or comfort. The Las Vegas-based airline there is facing a lot of heat out in uh, Vegas. American Airlines said that it's taking steps to ensure that cooled air is being pumped into jet bridges connected to its aircraft. Delta, American, and United Airlines all said that airport ramp workers, baggage handlers, and other laboring outside will get more frequent breaks, additional water supply, access to shaded areas, or air conditioning and cooling towels. Definitely needed. It's a hot summer right now. The scorching summer heat wave is actually impacting European travel too. In some cities, workers are walking off the jobs or threatening to at least if more is not done to protect them and the working condition, make the working conditions more bearable. In Athens, Greece, you got the Acropolis was shut down. Tempor- uh, Rome, uh, there are stations in Rome, Italy, where the city has set up a sort of command center, if you will, so tourists have access to water. They got uh, misting stations. Uh, you can be in the shade, but it's uh, dangerously hot, and some people are passing out as they are in the queue line for attractions. So definitely not good on that front, but good that destinations are stepping up and offering, you know, sort of stations to help combat that a little bit. And and I mentioned Vegas and being very hot. Um, there was a Delta flight that passengers stuck on the runway for over three hours, and a lot of people passed out on board. Temps rose to 111 degrees. The Department of Transportation is actually investigating Delta over that and the flight delay and what caused that and why they stayed on for so long. So three hours on the runway in that heat. Yikes. Why am I imagining though that as an episode of Fear Factor, right? Like how long would you last? I mean that, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Before people 
before you start just losing your mind or mm, I should bring that fear factor show back we'll just make a travel industry related fear factor show there's there's an idea for you netflix or prime or apple or there, there's so many streamings so many i have most of them i love them <laughs> In other air news, the House of Representatives passed legislation to reauthorize the Federal Aviation Administration, otherwise known as the Securing Growth and Robust Leadership in American Aviation Act. It's a big win for travel advisors. The bill includes several provisions that give travel advisors a louder voice, including making it clear that a travel agency's obligation to issue a client refund is limited to scenarios where it, it is in possession of the funds in question, and it also is going to be adding a travel agency seat to the Department of Transportation's Consumer Protection Advisory Committee. Definitely needed on that front. So now it just needs approval in the Senate. And the U.S. Travel Association President and CEO Jeff Freeman issued a statement on this, urging the Senate to mark up its version of the bill, saying, quote, While the Senate may be eager to fly home to start their August recess, millions of Americans have missed trips and lost time with family and friends this summer due to delays and cancellations caused by Years of government inattention. The whole of the U.S. economy pays a price when a trip is delayed or avoided entirely due to air travel hassles. In fact, over half of Americans say they would travel more if the experience were less a hassle. The Senate must mark up its FAA reauthorization bill this week. American travelers cannot wait any longer for Congress to fix the numerous systemic issues that have plagued the U.S. air travel system and constrained economic growth. End quote. Ooh. Preach it, Jeff. I love it. Yes, I'm... 100% in agreement with all of that right there, but mm, the chances of it actually passing in the Senate this week, it's the government. I'm not holding my breath. Mm, they do have until uh, September to get this stuff settled with everything, so we'll see if the House passes it before, you know, August. So July 31st is next Monday, August 1st is Tuesday, so we're less than a week away. Uh, what's going to happen? I mean, I'm recording this on a, you know, Tuesday afternoon here, so we'll, we'll see. Maybe I'll wake up Wednesday and we'll be some positive news going around. We'll, we'll see. In other air travel news, though, business is booming and the dollar bills are flying high. U.S. travel agency air travel ticket sales topped $8 billion in June, and the big three U.S. airlines, Delta, United, and American, all reported record high earnings in the second quarter. Meanwhile, following the United Pilots New Deal that just dropped a week ago, American Airlines increased their offer to their pilots by $1 billion. It now stands at $9 billion total. So the United one was worth over $8 billion. Whew. Airlines making record quarter earnings. They're increasing their pay to their pilots, which is needed. All of it makes me wonder how this is all going to impact airfare pricing. It's what us as the consumers and the travel advisors, you know, well, travel advisors are consumers too. They're the best consumers in my eyes. But yeah, I... I I don't see flight prices dropping anytime soon, significantly in any way. I mean, yes, we're cut, we're heading into uh, shoulder season is just around the corner, but that's going to be booming too. That's still going to be busy. A lot of people still out traveling and the shoulder season not really slowing down. Still going to be some crowds out there, especially depending on, you know, where you actually end up going. If you're going to the big city destinations, you're going to see some stuff there. Europe's still going to be buzzing for sure. So, yeah, we'll see. Jumping over to cruise news, Amsterdam votes to ban cruise ships from docking in the city. Amsterdam City Council has voted to ban cruise ships in an attempt to limit mass tourism and fight pollution. As a result of the ban, the main cruise terminal on River IJ will, could close. A timeline or specific plan was not announced, but politicians did say 
that the polluting cruise is not in line with Amsterdam's sustainable ambitions. Cruise ships in the city center also do not fit with the task of combating mass tourism. So it sounds like, you know, they want it out. It's going to happen. This is big. You know, it's it's not going to significantly alter. I mean, it's just moving it out of the city center. And cruises aren't just going to go away from Amsterdam. It's such a popular aspect of their tourism. So you can't just deny all of that. But getting it out of the city center could help, you know, an area that really has faced over tourism for a while. And they got a taste of not over tourism during the COVID years and, you know, really shake things up there. And they've been making a lot of changes too, cleaning up the red light district area, trying to make it, you know, a little safer, trying to make it, you know, not so party craziness and all of that. Just another step in uh, Amsterdam trying to change things up. It's not the first city to vote to ban cruise ships though. Venice, Italy did that and they announced it in 2021 and it worked with UNESCO cultural body to ban large vessels from entering the city center. Barcelona, Spain is also curbing the number of cruise ship arrivals, cutting the number of tourists from 400,000 per month to 200,000. So will any other destinations follow suit? Remains to be seen. I don't think so, but we shall see. Let's jump over to destination news now. And it was a big week for the theme park news front. Universal Orlando is adding DreamWorks Animations Land, coming to Universal Studios Florida in 2024. The new DreamWorks Land will transport visitors to the theme park to an area adorned with vibrant colors, sights, and sounds from the company, some of the company's most popular animated films. Guests will be able to explore themed interactive play spaces and attractions that bring popular franchises like Shrek, Trolls, and Kung Fu Panda to life. I am super excited for this. Universal needed an upgrade there. Uh, many thought that we might have to wait until their new Orlando Park Epic Universe. You know, it's set to open in 2025. Fingers crossed that timeline stays true. But um, we thought many of us thought we'd have to wait until then to get Shrek back or uh, Trolls or any other DreamWorks animation in uh, How to Train Your Dragon roller coaster anyone. That would be epic for Epic Universe, but time will tell on what's actually going to be at Epic Universe. But we do know that DreamWorks Animation Slant's coming to Universal Studios Florida, and that's going to be a lot of fun. This will be great for Universal in 2024. In other theme park news, we've got a new, total brand new theme park coming, a $2 billion Americana-themed park and resort. It's coming to Route 66 in Oklahoma. So if uh, when I said new park coming, if you thought Oklahoma, kudos to you. I wouldn't pick Oklahoma as a place for a massive theme park, but hey, it's uh, Americana. That's right in the heartland there. So it's going to be called American Heartland Theme Park and Resort. It's going to open just west of Grand Lake and phases beginning as early as 2025. A large-scale RV park with cabins is scheduled to open in the spring of 2025, followed by the theme park and resort in 2026. The 1,000-acre entertainment development will feature a 125-acre theme park. Guests can look forward to Americana-themed environments, boasting rides, live shows, family attractions, waterways and bars, and restaurants. Certainly going to be interesting. I love theme parks, so I'm definitely going to check it out in the future years. And I'll have kids that are fully potty trained and ready to run around and scream their little heads off at all sorts of theme parks by 2026. So that'll be fun. It'll be a fun little family getaway, you know. The design team includes 20-plus former Disney park builders and Walt Disney Imagineers, and I think that's a huge win for them. But uh, in the theme park world, can anything overtake Disney? I don't know. You know, What do you think? Podcast at TravelPulse.com. Let me know your thoughts on that and all the theme parks news. Uh, and lastly, in other destination news, though, as we round up what's been trending in the world of travel, we got to talk about... These destinations reporting record occupancy and revenue thanks to the Taylor Swift tour and also Beyonce's tour as well. The two days of Eras concerts, the Eras tour for Taylor Swift, 
Uh, concerts generated $46 million in direct spending in Pittsburgh. And over in Kansas City, Visit KC estimates that the Swifty craze generated $46 million for them as well in direct spending on hotels, restaurants, transportation services, and other travel costs, and brought in more than 100,000 visitors to town. Beyonce performed, kicked her, her tour off earlier this year in Stockholm in May, and Swedish economists actually blamed her for artificially inflating consumer prices there. So these tours are absolutely massive and selling out, and uh, both the artists, um, Beyonce and Taylor Swift, are expected to clear $1 billion in profits for their tours, which is just mind-boggling. But, you know, concert tickets can be outrageously pricey, and Travelers are still spending big on them, and, and the cities that host these acts are, are getting big dollars as well. So what is the musical act that would have you spending big money? For me, there's not really like a current artist, I think, that I would drop big dollars on to go see. Uh, maybe I would drop big dollars if, you know, I could teleport and then trans or time travel, I guess I should say, and go back in time and watch like ACDC live, you know, back in their prime. Go watch Bob Marley live in his prime or the Beatles live in their prime. That would be awesome. Maybe Snoop Dogg in his prime. I mean, I've seen Snoop Dogg, you know, uh, 10 years ago, but back in the 90s, that would be cool. Dr. Dre up in there. Mm. Run DMC in that. I could. I, the list goes on and on. There'd be a lot of great concerts that I would drop big money on if, you know, time travel was a thing. But it's not. <laughs> so I will never know what those experiences were like. But some of my listeners may know what some of that is, and I'd love to hear from you on that or the current musical acts out there that you might drop big dollars on so that wraps up what has been trending in travel any additional thoughts you can drop me an email podcast at travelpulse.com now let's jump over to our interview segment of the show and now joining me on the show is mike coletta manager of research and innovation at focus right welcome to the show mike tell our listeners a little bit about yourself hey eric thank you for having me yeah i've been mostly in the travel industry for 25 plus years uh, from corporations to startups uh, and mainly in technology, product, and marketing roles. So I've been around the industry, um, you know, and in tech for a while. And I've been writing for Focusrite for eight years now. Um, I manage and write some of our innovation-related content. Um, I also manage our startup database. So we have a big database of travel startups, and we track, you know, the in innovative and interesting things that they're doing. And I also do um, some market sizing, like for the short-term rental market, package travel, uh, car rental and cruise and pretty much help out in our research wherever needed. Awesome. Yeah. So as we talk about innovations in the travel and tourism space, we got to begin with chat GPT and AI for, for travel planning, all, all this that's uh, really been going on in the last year with the, the boost of AI, if you will. So what, what's the latest there? How's it impacting travel? What, what are you seeing on that front? Well, at Focusrate, we publish a series of reports every year on the travel tech and innovation trends that we think are, are most important for the year. And I uh, actually ran a webinar about them just a couple of weeks ago. So it's perfect timing to discuss some of what we covered with you. And uh, generative AI is, is of course, a natural place to start. It's, it's uh, you know, taken all the air out of the room this year. And uh, I co-authored our recent report on generative AI and travel. So uh, this is all pretty fresh in my head. And I have to start by saying it's the fastest moving topic I've ever seen in all my innovation and technology research, for sure, with new announcements and products and mind-blowing advancements, really, practically every single day. It's uh, it's pretty much impossible even for me to keep up with, even with it being my job and spending dozens of hours researching, you know, when I write a report like this. But uh, that's why we do the research. We spend the time to help the industry understand topics like this 
And I'm happy to share some of the findings from this report on generative AI. So the first is that we're already seeing significant disruption in the travel planning space. Because one of the things generative AI tools like ChatGPT are very good at is recommending where to go and what to do. Because they've digested tons and tons of itineraries, reviews, and public comments from the web. So they have a good idea of what's what and what's generally regarded by people as good or bad. So the more specific details you type into a travel query in a tool like ChatGPT, like who you're traveling with and what kind of things you want to do and your food preferences, uh, the more it can give you quite good personalized recommendations for the places you might want to visit and even detailed itineraries for what to see and do in those places. So you could say it competes with travel advisors in that regard, and I think that's definitely worth keeping an eye on. But there are two sides to the story. There are the consumer uses of of this technology, but also plenty of uses for business people to gain an edge. So the other side of it is that there are ways advisors can use these tools to streamline their workload and their internal processes. Because what generative AI tools are really good at is digesting information and distilling it, which means it could digest advisors' expertise as well, And advisors could use the tools to do things like build itineraries or make recommendations to clients faster than ever while including their own touch. So it's very early days here, and I don't think there's any kind of standardized process for this, but I can see the possibility and even potential necessity to adapt in that regard because that's kind of where everything is going now. These tools are so capable that there's a strong argument that everyone will need to figure out how to use generative AI in their jobs or risk getting left behind. And that's the reality we're dealing with. Right. Yeah. Use it to your advantage. Don't just ignore it. It it might seem daunting at first, but yeah, get in there and and play around with it and and find ways to make it work for you, especially for my travel advisor audience on that. Yeah. And I've seen just one startup working on this uh, specific scenario so far. It's named Trava. Um, There was an article about them in Travel Weekly about a month ago. So I don't know a ton about them, but I saw that they were working on exactly this. So it seems like that could be worth uh, doing a Google and and checking that out. Um, We already see this happening to a degree with the big OTAs and how they're plugging into ChatGPT or Google's competitor Bard via the APIs to build their own chat-based trip planning solutions while leveraging their own data and their own expertise. So... I think you've covered some of this, Expedia and, and Trip.com mm-hmm. and, and booking, um, you know, putting their own data uh, into the mix while you, while leveraging ChatGPT's or Bard's uh, data set as well. And it uh, seems like a pretty potent way to, to go about it, and, and you can build a potent solution that way. Um, but I, I do think a point worth mentioning here is that, yes, you could say everyone needs to to use generative AI or or get left behind. But it's always worth keeping in mind that the hospitality, it's it's worth keeping in mind the hospitality element of travel, that relationships and trust are are critical, especially when it comes to planning important vacations. So travel advisors still absolutely have that big card to play. And I think just need to focus on that more than ever. Nurturing relationships with clients, and in particular, building deep and exclusive knowledge that these tools just won't be able to compete with. 
Definitely, yeah. That that human connection you can't can't really replace that too. I have a friend who uh, has just spent fifty days traveling around South America, and I'm following his stuff on on Instagram and everything. And he he mentioned that he did use ChatGPT to help him out with some things. And then the very next day, one of his posts was like, "Totally regret trusting what I just found, what I what AI told me, or in uh, complaining about that." And I was like, "You should have used the travel advisor, man." So yeah, it's uh, yeah. you know you got to take it with a grain of salt, but it's something I think everyone should you know dive into and experiment with around. And yeah, if you can find a way to help it with your business to my travel advisor friends, then then do it, or you know test it, and then you have a thing to compete against and, and with the consumers, I guess if you if you want if you didn't like it, so to speak, and um, toss up your own value as an, as an advisor of that human connection. So, um, any, any other, uh, what are some other innovations out there that are, are shaping the travel industry right now? There's, um, there's talks of like, you know, crypto VR, the metaverse has been tossed around a bunch. I get different press releases about that. You know, there's flying cars that were released, uh, that have been talked about too. I mean, there's a lot of different stuff. So what, what do you think, what are you seeing out there? That's uh, pretty big right now. Yeah, I think in relation to flying cars, that's another one of uh, it's one of the trends we recently wrote a report on. And I think that's an interesting one because it may still seem far away, but eVTOLs, which stands for electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles, they are actually close to taking off, pun absolutely intended there. I mean, they're, they're getting close to reality. Um, there are reports that certification of commercial eVTOL flights could begin as soon as next year. Um, most of the industry forecasts we've seen peg 2025 is more realistic, but you know we're, we're getting close to this being uh, a reality. There's plenty of testing and pilot programs going on, more so in Asia Pacific. I think the U.S. has a little bit tougher regulations and, and things will move a little slower here. But um, you know things are moving along. Major airlines are investing. American, Delta, United, Virgin Atlantic, they've all made significant investments in eVTOL startups. Would you jump on one right away with 2025, like first release? Or are you waiting like a year to like, let's see how this goes type of thing? Because that's probably going to be me. I'm going to let's see how it goes. But Yeah, I did recently try Waymo, the autonomous vehicle in, in Phoenix, where yeah. they're operating. And um, that felt pretty safe. And it was yeah. quite cool. You know, steering wheels turning itself and it's doing a good job navigating. Uh, flying, being scared of heights, I have a little bit more of an issue with. But, uh, you know, not in an airplane, fine in an airplane. So, yeah, I think the day will come where I'll be I'll be willing and ready to, to jump in and test it out. I won't be the first, though. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned crypto, I think. And um, similar area to EV tolls, you know, it may not seem like there's much that's happening with, with Web3, which seems to be the hot term to use now. Um, but it is another trend we wrote about recently. And in uh, that report, we highlighted 17 Web3 companies that are gaining some real-world traction. So we kind of looked at the universe of Web3 companies and picked out these 17 um, that are using blockchain, specifically NFTs and smart contracts, to do things like digitizing flight tickets and hotel rooms and, and creating marketplaces that make them easier to resell or to transfer. That's a really big, interesting use case with some big hurdles, but you know, there are companies making progress there. Um, and other use cases like for settling transactions, um, for commission tracking, so a lot in fintech, for digital identity, for loyalty programs. And some of these cases, uh, some sorry, some of these companies um, are making really good progress in these spaces. They're generating hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars in revenue. Um, so it's another area where it's it's early days. It's playing out slowly. Maybe 
a little more slowly than people anticipated given some of the hype cycles that have happened in crypto. Yeah. But uh, things are happening and we see it as really just a matter of time before adoption gains critical traction and Web3 companies start to make a decent impact on the industry. Yeah, that would certainly be interesting uh, to see if a lot of people really dive into that in the coming years or if it'll take a bit longer because I'm not surprised that it hasn't taken off as much as people may have anticipated in the early going because you're right, there were like kind of hypes and big moments for for crypto as it you know kind of took uh, the media storm, if you will. And that's I seem seemingly kind of fallen off a little bit, but people working at it. So. Yeah, it's got bigger hype cycles than almost anything else, um, which, which do seem to deflate rather rapidly as well. And that's a detriment. I think it gives it all a bad reputation. But uh, that was the reason for our report to, to highlight where companies are actually doing really interesting things that are, you know, are scam free and uh, yeah. don't even have that much to do with, with crypto itself. Um, virtual reality is, is another one where, you know, the, the adoption has been slow, um, slower than I think most people thought. Like when Facebook purchased Oculus in 2015, I certainly thought that was going to speed up people, uh, people's interest in it. And we're still at a place where, the hardware adoption is still quite insignificant. You know, we have to get to a place where people want to buy the hardware and use it. And I do think the younger generation does, but it's just, it's taking a lot of time to get to the point where there, there is a large market there. But, um, you know, there's some good uses, use cases in travel for previewing destinations and attractions. And I do think that it's a, it could be a good use of, of, um, the tech for travel advisors like if, it, if travel advisors invest in some of this hardware learn how to use it you can give your clients you know through virtual reality a really good feel for a property or an experience or a destination uh, by having the gear in your office and letting them come in and try it so seems like it could be a good, a good marketing tactic that could drum up a little bit of extra interest yeah put your client you know in the destination more so than a little Instagram reel or, or video on TikTok or anything would. So yeah, it's certainly something that is uh, intriguing, but you know, got to get the the tech, got to catch up, I guess, uh, for the mainstream to really dive into to purchasing that, you know, with the cost of, of things too. So, but it's, you know, a big innovation that is certainly uh, captivating a lot of people out there and a lot of hotels jumping on it too with different things they're offering. So, and, you know, talk about other innovations, facial recognition continues to get better and its use at airports is already speeding up wait times uh, with those with the digital ID. So it's all, you know, technology all about making travel more seamless and easier for uh, the traveler there. So as we talk about these innovations, uh, what would you view as like the biggest innovation in travel in like the last hundred years, or, or, or maybe perhaps that's too loaded. So maybe just the biggest this century so far and the biggest last century? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. It doesn't get a lot of discussion or thought, um, but I, I do think about it. And uh, it's occurred to me that the most disruptions, most disruptive innovations in travel have generally come from out travel, outside travel, like the internet, mobile devices, the sharing economy, generative AI. You know, these are really um, general technology trends that disrupt every industry, including travel. Um, in travel, I think it's pretty obvious. Online booking was the big one. Totally changed how travel is distributed and purchased. Um, you know, at the end of the last century, everybody's quite aware of that. This century, I'd probably give it to Airbnb as just the, okay. the biggest innovation of the century so far, and and how it opened up such a huge category that was previously very niche. You know, it was around certainly, 
but um, how they made it mainstream. Yeah, it was one of the biggest changes I'd say we've seen. But um, I mentioned I, I give this stuff a lot of thought, and there, there's a lot of innovation in travel, but there's also some really big things that hold back innovation. The legacy technology uh, is, is big is a big part of that. So much of the tech is extremely hard to upgrade, and there are also economic incentives, just the way the industry's structured, um, that that just help to keep the status quo. So a lot of innovation in travel winds up being incremental, small improvements to how travel's planned and booked, serviced and experienced. And that's that's a lot of what we see. I mentioned our startup database that I maintain. We have startup competitions. So we're always looking for the biggest innovations in travel, but 99% of what we see are just you know really thoughtful and useful uh, incremental innovations that improve how a specific thing is done in the industry and um you didn't ask me this but you you got me thinking about what the most disruptive innovation that's coming could be okay and that i would say could be hypersonic jets because that's something that would really change how and what we're able to see in the world they could cut for example a 14 hour journey to four hours and that's a pretty big deal yeah. i don't know the timeline for them but i know they're actively under development and testing and you know they're on the way yeah that would be something that would shake up the industry for sure yeah high speed uh jets and you know just traveling around the world you know with a snap of a finger if you almost you know i I know a lot of people dream of you know uh what superpower would you have is you know teleporting anyone i talk to in the travel industry that one always comes up uh, of just like you know fun fun stuff so i mean that's you the closest we're probably ever going to get is you know those those supersonic ones there all that so that would be pretty cool and the timeline on that is you know giant question mark around that just like there's so many other giant question marks around you know like space tourism and things like that so uh, as we wrap up here this has been this has been really great man uh what, what advice would you give to travel advisors and our listeners out there when it comes to uh, ai or best utilizing that or any of the other great innovations out there in the travel space yeah i think just like we talked about using ai um figuring out how to use it for itinerary creation and it's also really good at business tasks, um, like copywriting, um, generating social media posts for you, writing and optimizing website copy, uh, sales copy, marketing, product copy. You know, these are text-based tools, and they're, they're actually getting better at generating images and video, too, but they're mainly good at writing. So, um, you know, that's something everyone could, could be thinking about and playing with, it's, and it's, it's pretty low-hanging fruit. Um, can save you a lot of hours of work. And I can mention a startup too. Again, I haven't, uh, you know, interviewed them or I haven't worked with them, but uh, what, what they're working on is right in this realm and, and they have a good team and seem to be doing some good things. So that's called mytrip.ai. And that's exactly what they help with is, um, you know, leveraging generative AI tech to uh, to help streamline internal business processes for travel companies. So it's pretty targeted. Um, another one too, that I thought I'd mention is automated commission collection. So this is a big pain point. Uh, I kind of, well, I started my career at Hertz, which is where I learned the GDS is 25 years ago. And then I went to a mom and pop travel agency where I was uh, helping to run their website. And, you know, I, I felt the pain points of commission collection. I, I learned the trams and client base plus systems and i was uh you know neck deep in that um so i really get this pain point on commission collection so this this startup called sion s-i-o-n 
is a really cutting edge tool that pulls in bookings from GDS and whatever other sources you can connect uh, or even input manually. And it does a really good job of surfacing commissions that need to be followed up. And um, I haven't used it personally, but um, I have talked to them and, and they claim to help agencies recover thousands and thousands of dollars in commissions that might otherwise be gone. Um, and they're processing a lot of bookings. You know, they're, they're getting some good traction working with a lot of agencies. So I do think that that's like a specific innovation, you know, recent innovation coming from a startup that I've seen that uh, I would recommend. Other than that, I, I would just say try to keep up to date with what's going on at the cross section of tech and travel. And the best way to do that is to keep reading Travel Pulse. You guys do a great job covering everything and come over and read Focus Wire because uh, we specialize in tech and innovation. And just uh, to be clear, so Focus Right is the research company. Focus Wire is our uh, our news company uh, where we post on travel, tech, and innovation and startups every day. And, um, you know, just keep trying to figure out how to leverage tech in your business along with the rest of us. We're all trying to figure it out. And I can say it's much easier said than done when you don't have the budget of Google or Expedia. You know, for me, it's <laughs> easy to write about this stuff, but we're looking at implementing some of these technologies at Focusrite, and it takes a lot of thought, planning, resources, uh, but you got to try. I think it's it really is. They're, they're very much game-changing technologies, especially generative AI and uh, you just gotta you just gotta learn as much as you can and, and figure out how to use them as best you can. Right. Yeah. Just jump on in. So thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to talk travel and uh, innovations here. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Again, Take that's focuswire.com. Be sure to check them out. So thanks, Mike, and uh, thank you to our listeners. That's all the time we have for this week's show. So we'll be back next week with some exciting guests as well. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.